Last time on Inside the Cave. As Rowland went in on LeBron, Beyonce, and every other famous person in the world. All right, I got, I got LeBron's nose for that, that statement about the Grammys. I'm sick and tired of these elites expecting us to rally behind them every time they don't get their way and they want to pout. That album was whack. You can't keep expecting to go to somebody else's house and get something that you think you deserve. Wait, what? His dog sitting with his revenge checklist next to him as he shuts down rolling by saying that's called begging. Listen, with, with, with the community needs across the board, man, is we need economics. And there's enough rich black people to change the wealth disparity in the black community right now. Right hey, now, hey, hey, we don't no Roland. Roland. Yes. That's called big. Who said that? Wait, what? Is CB now part of a conspiracy involving Martin Luther King? The guy who was on the balcony with him and his name was Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. Okay, so you down. Rolling. So, he in my crib. Shut what? up. Wait, what? <laughs> Let me step three three inches this away. <laughs> and I never knew after all these years that Joe had waves, CB was bald, and dog's dog shoulders were so broad. <laughs> Wait, what? It's time to go inside the cave. Inside the cave. This is the Prince of Pan-Africanism, Dr. Umar Johnson, Black America's number one school psychologist, and I'm coming back inside the cave, part two. Dr. Umar Johnson this week on Inside the Cave. Hey, welcome back to Inside the Cave, the cavepodcast.com and insidethecaveblog.com. Go to that website, register, subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Thank you to everybody who's been listening to us the past few weeks, all of our new listeners and everything like that. We won't be able to get to you all this week as we have a full loaded show, but we will recognize you next episode. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. A lot of feedback, a lot of comments. Glad everybody's been enjoying the show. Thank you to all our past guests, future guests, and everybody who's been participating on Inside the Cave. This thing is getting bigger. I am CB at I'm the Real CB, and of course, next to me, as always, is Joe Dirt. What's going on, everybody out there? How everybody doing? Cool, cool, cool. Also with us today, he's a Southern baby from Alabama. Big dog. What's up with it, man? Also with us today, the Cleese Report. He stirred up some shit last week, last episode. Uh, we'll kind of continue on that a little bit. Uh, welcome back to Inside the Cave from Three Leaf Films. Rolling. What's up? Please report in the house. Hey, big show today. Dr. Umar Johnson, part two, is calling in to Inside the Cave. You guys are going to want to, don't want to miss that. He is traveling in Chicago, in the Midwest, Indianapolis. Make sure you go to uh, InsideTheCaveBlog.com and get all the details of where he will be at and go see him and let him know that you heard his interview on Inside the Cave. We got a lot of listeners in Michigan, Indiana, 
and of course Chicago. So please go out and check out Dr. Umar Johnson. He'll be calling in next segment. Uh, before we get into that, let's do our main segment, Kill Yourself and Start Over. The first segment, the A Block, Kill Yourself and Start Over on Inside the Cave. Who you got, Joe Dirt? Um, young ass boys that's out here murdering uh, people and little babies in Chicago and what and uh, elsewhere for that matter, you know. But yeah, kill yourself and start over. Yeah, he got he got one of them guys got his ass knocked out first day in county, huh? Yeah, I seen that man. It's sad, man, because they young. They twenty to twenty five years old. Welcome to the rest of your life. You know, I know we're gonna talk about this with Doctor Umar Johnson, but the mind state. You know, if I didn't fear anything else as a kid, I feared jail. I feared prison. And I was a knucklehead. I did a lot, a lot of stupid things. Yes, things, you did. Yes, and I'm talking about stupid things that I will, I prayed and hoped to God that none of my children ever try. Well, I hope not either. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but man, let me tell you something, brother. I don't think you learned this lesson, Joe. <laughs> if, if there's one thing I did know, I just stay, try to stay my ass out that goddamn joint. And if you got these kids, don't have no fear, man. You got no fear. Let me tell you something. You can tell there's a lack of a father there because my father put the fear in. Oh, my grandfather. You know, I was I was scared of jail. If I had to go to jail, I would have told him leave me in here. Let my daddy come get me. Might yeah. be better off. Yeah. yeah you read true. about that. You read about Good that. Good job. And hey, I'm who do the same thing for my son? Yeah. Got to. Who you got, big dog? Hey man, I'm kind of on a light note today. Uh, I guess I'm gonna give mine to uh, Kevin Durant. Oh wow! Oh. Gonna give it to KD. What he do? You know, just for uh, acting like he don't understand why um, a man is upset with him. Westbrook. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Don't run around like you don't understand. You talk about the highest level of disrespect. You basically told Westbrook you're not good enough. So I'm mm. out. I'm gonna go over here and play with these guys that put a whooping on me last um, last finals. Oh man, we can debate on that all day, but I actually agree with you on that. But we got a big show today. Now, Roland, <laughs> I'm going to you next. Don't stir up no shit because we got we got to move on. We got the doc caller calling in. Can you give us? <laughs> go ahead. I'm a, no, I'm gonna keep it short, man. I'm gonna do a lighter note too, man. I've been I've been checking something out on social media, and I don't know if I should give it to the person. Or should I give it to all the social media marks out there for blowing this girl up? I'm, I, I, I don't like I said. You take your pick. Is it the is it the fans or is it the girl? Danielle, cash me outside, Bijazio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am so. Listen, I have a 17 year old daughter yeah. and a 15 year old daughter. Yeah. This young lady. God bless you, by the way. I don't know how you deal with teenage girls. I'm so scared of that. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do, but God bless you. CB, I'm ready to shoot myself in the head every day. Trust me. <laughs> trust, like, trust me. Oh, trust me. Trust me. Yeah, wanna, trust me. Oh, man. Bro, you, don't, you don't even know. You you don't even know that. But she's 13 years old, man. And it, yeah, break, it, it's, it, it hurts me on two levels. One, because this young lady has her breast out. She oh. has nails you know two and a half inches long she's got red hair 
She's got a nose piercing. She's got a belly piercing and her foul language is just despicable. Her right. mother, her, she don't even, the 13 year old don't even need a whooping. Her mother needs a whooping. Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. That's, that's number one. Number two is, is that with her being, and I don't mean to make this a race thing. Oh God, here we go. But, but, but with her being Caucasian persuasion, Mm -hmm. At some point When she gets tired of this act And this this is exactly what it is An act She can go off into You know Having her couple dollars And walking off into obscurity Once her 15 minutes of fame are over If this young lady was black She would be getting drugged through the mud Oh yeah Ruined for the rest of her life You're right about that I don't all agree with you Roland But I gotta agree with that one yeah, that is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, if she was black, she would have to move to another state. Goddamn. Oh yeah, she would. And now that she done, like you said, with that act, she could uh, really change up a whole stilo and everybody. Oh, she's the darling of America now. Yeah, do that you, is true. Do you remember? Do you remember when uh, Casey Anthony? Oh yeah, yes. Killed, she killed her daughter. Died her hair and moved to another state. And nobody talks about it. These nobody. white girls, they can walk away and like nothing ever happened. That's true. That is yeah. true. That is true. At a boy rolling. And while uh, before I get to my kill yourself, well, actually, my kill yourself will start over. And, and my at a boy for this week is one in one. Uh, we did this on our Instagram page. I think Big Dog was the one. Big Dog, our investigative journalist, always knows how to. He always know how to find some good trash and smut. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him. I'm putting. I'm putting him on the same level as Joe Dirk sometimes. But so, so it was a guy that went that went to the strip club uh, for his 21st birthday, and uh, he was lucky enough to get him a uh, get him a shot in the strip club. A heavy ending. Yeah, and so I want to give my kill yourself a start over to that security guard for throwing him out. <laughs> Threw him out like he was Jazzy Jeff on the Fresh Prince. And I'm like, come on, man. It's 21 years old, strip club. But I just think that, that that's what that's what he's supposed to do in a strip club. Hey, you know what, CB? I can't blame the uh, security guard. I got to get that kid yourself to start over to the motherfucker that had the camera. Exactly. Recording. Exactly. And went and told on him. And snitched. Oh, oh okay. That's what happened. Oh, okay. You know what? You check, the, check it out, fellas. I, 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 I'm not trying to trump. I'm not trying to trump uh, big dogs investigative and jur- journalism, but I, I dug I dug a little deeper on this one. Now, believe it or not, I, I I heard the statement from the young lady, and she claims that she didn't know the boy's joint was out. And yeah. I'm just trying to tell you, she said it was a setup from the word go that the guy reporting is not the one who snitched. It was actually he was in on it to record the dude doing it and the reason why they threw him out is because that was a lap that was like a lap dance area like out in the open yeah and she's like basically it sounded like to me she didn't say this but this is what i gathered she is like i'm a hoe but i ain't that much of a hoe hey i tell you what after she got her ass drug on her social media page uh-huh. behind doing that act I'm quite sure she would try to change that up. She gonna clean it up, okay? But uh, all I know is we saw the tape. Take we saw the tape. <laughs> let, and, and let me let me say let me say this real quick, and we cannot elaborate on this that long. Uh, I want to give the Cleese report a kill yourself and start oh! over. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, you know, taking my job, CB. Hey, hey, you know what, Roland? 
that last week, and we're gonna t- we're gonna get to the feedback next episode, but. That thing on Reverend Kyle goes so deep. I didn't even get a chance to tell you this. I told the guys this. Oh, man, do I have time to tell this story? All right, let me see. If I'm not, I'll have to edit it out. It was a story for all our listeners. Uh, a, a, a club called the E2 in 2001, 2002. You can look this up. And it was ran by, and pr- promote, the promoters was a guy by the last name of Kyle. Turns out this was Reverend Kyle's son's. They ran. They they ran the E2. A big stampede happened. Somebody yelled out anthrax in the club. All those people trampled out the club, and people died. You look up the E2 story. I don't have time to elaborate on it. And I was talking with someone who I love dearly, and she said nothing's gonna happen to those guys. I said, how come? She said, you know who his father is? This is before I met his father. It's Reverend Kyle. They're close with Mayor Daly. There's nothing gonna happen to them. And 15, 16 years later, nothing has happened to those people. So, Roland, your Cleves report <laughs> goes so deep, brother. It's keeping me up at night. I think I want to. I think I want to give that whole segment a kill yourself and start over. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's episode, and uh, we'll, you can hear the Cleves report by Roland. And that might be the last time we do it for about five or six months. You <laughs> on Martin Luther King Wikipedia now. Oh, man, that would be something, wouldn't it? All right. That was Kill Yourself and Start Over. (laughs) We got Dr. Umar Johnson calling up next on Inside the Cave. Follow Inside the Cave on Instagram at Inside the Cave and at Cave Crush for the hottest women on the planet. Like Inside the Cave on Facebook, Inside the Cave Podcast, and follow Inside the Cave on Twitter at Cave Crush. Inside the Cave. Thought-provoking in-ring guy talk with special guests and Cave Crush interviews. Thought-provoking ignorance with special guests and cave crushes. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Maya, and I'm going Inside the Cave. And Cave Crushers. Inside the Cave, the number Hey, welcome back to Inside the Cave, the cavepodcast.com, and go to Inside the Cave blog under the Cave Spotlight and check out this week's guest brought to you by Three Lee Films. Go to Three Lee Films on your social media or Instagram and get your one-minute promo videos ready uh, for all your social media needs. All right, last time he was on our show, it was probably the biggest show for Inside the Cave of 2016. He is back in Chicago doing more speeches and everything, and I'm glad that he took time out of his busy schedule to call back to Inside the Cave. Welcome back, Dr. Umar Johnson. Thank you, glad to be back. All right, Doc, well, first of all, before we get in, get in, get into it, uh, tell us what all you got going on in Chicago and in, uh, Indiana real quick, Indianapolis in the Midwest. Uh, yes, sir, I'll be speaking in both Chicago and Indianapolis in the next couple days on Saturday. February the 25th, Saturday, I will be in Chicago at the Greater New Mount Moriah Baptist Church in the East Garfield section of Chicago. That is on Saturday the 25th. That is a 4 o'clock program. Doors open up at 2 o'clock. 
and then two days later I will be in Indianapolis, Indiana for the first time in two years and I will be at the Jewel Event Center on Monday the 27th. Doors open up at 4. Program is from 6 until 9. Folks can get tickets for both of those at the website drumarjohnson.com where they can go directly to the link princeofpanafricanism.eventbrite.com Again, that's princeofpanafricanism.eventbrite.com and we spell Africa with a K. Lastly, they can request the link or the flyer by text message and they can send me a text to get that information at 215-989-9858 215-989-9858 But again, Dr. Umar will be in Chicago Saturday, February the 25th and Indianapolis on Monday, February the 27th. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, one thing I like about you, man, you're so accessible. You know, it's, you, I ain't going to say you're easy to get in touch with, but get in, in contact with, but I like that you have so many options for people who are interested in you that they can uh, be able to talk, talk with you and find you and stuff like that. So salute to you for that, my brother. Now, um, Thank you. Now, my question to you is this. Uh, a lot has changed since you were uh, last on here. And uh, a couple episodes ago, I made a statement and said that voters who normally vote Democratic are stupid voters. And the reason why I said they're stupid voters is because they need an emotional connection with a candidate to vote for them, to come out and vote. Uh, Bill Clinton played the saxophone on Arsenio Hall. Immediately, people felt connected with him. Barack Obama was the first black president or first black guy able to run for president people felt an emotional connection to him when those two names weren't on the ballot and each time in the past 20 some odd years voters did not show up because they're stupid voters and in my, in my opinion whereas people that vote republican they vote on principles and policies so it doesn't matter what their candidate says they're going to stick to the script and vote on principle and policy which makes them sort of smarter because at least they know what they're voting for and they don't let little things get in the way of them making their, their judgment for whatever their beliefs is and they vote for it. Which kind of brings me to you. Last time you were on, now the reason why I wanted you on last time is because the, the stuff you talk about with raising young black boys, that means a lot to me as of being a father too. I took that stuff straight to heart. What I wasn't expecting was, um, for you to be uh, not proud of or, or or wasn't a big or didn't think that President Obama was good uh, a good president for uh, the black community. And I think that took part in the Republicans playing the game of suppressing the vote, whereas the black turnout didn't show up for this election. And and the ones that did, a lot of them did turn out more for t unbelievably Donald Trump, which is unbelievable to me. So that my question is to you, you, to me, you took part in the Republicans game of voter suppression. Do you agree with my statement on that? Nah, I totally disagree. Okay. And I would say, first of all, when you're dealing with policy towards black people, it doesn't matter if they're democratic or Republican, neither party has a program to improve the quality of life of black people. The black policy is consistent across political party. It doesn't matter if it's Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Liberty Party, it does not matter. There is no agenda 
to help black people, period, whether you're Democratic or Republican. As far as Republican voter suppression, I don't think the Republicans had to do anything to keep black people from voting. A lot of black people towards the end of the Obama administration began to see that Barack Obama was nothing but smoke and mirrors. And a lot of black people put a lot of faith in Barack Obama, and they got nothing in return for it. And I think the Democratic Party underestimated the disappointment that black America felt for President Barack Obama. And that failure to turn out to the polls was a reflection of black people feeling that once again, as you said, their emotions and their interests and their best, uh, the, the best interests of black folks as well as their vote was taken for granted. So that backlash that manifested itself as a failure of black people to show up in significant numbers for Hillary Clinton was a result of the fact that Barack Obama did, didn't do anything for black folks. Republicans had nothing to do with it. On top of that, I think some of it had to do with the fact that Bill Clinton's crime bill during the uh, presidential run, former President Bill Clinton had admitted that his crime bill helped to create the current wave of mass incarceration against black males. And him admitting that, he thought he was helping his wife by coming honest about the role he played in the, in the mass incarceration system. But he did not help her by being honest. He hurt her because by him saying that, it basically reaffirmed what black folks already knew. And that was that Bill Clinton also, also, took their vote and their emotions for granted. So I don't think the Republicans had anything to do with it. Barack Obama and Bill Clinton did enough on their own to keep black people from coming out to vote for Hillary. Okay, I got to get a part two in, then I'm going to pass the mic. Uh, I, I disagree because for me, for people to be so emotionally attached and disappointed, not every black America, not all black America is, is what Donald Trump paints us as. And I would be honest, my life gradually changed from 2008 to now under President Obama. I didn't feel the same hurt. Time how, many, how many black people? But that's you. Remember, we'll be talking about the conditions. I can talk about a lot of black people that I know that, that succeeded under President Obama. I can talk about a lot of people who got raises under Barack Obama. You can, I can talk, talk about a lot of people, but, 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 but as a people, as a population, the unemployment rate of black people swelled under Barack Obama, and it was higher under Obama than it was under George Bush. So although you could point to some black folks who can buy houses, I could point to many more black folks who probably couldn't even afford to, to, to buy a rental property just to house their children in. So, we, I mean, we're going to have to take a look at the numbers and but the statistics. There because I, I, I think that those people were going to... black folks who do okay. I think that but those people were going to be that way regardless, though. I think most of those people were going to be that way regardless. I just can't. I can't blame all that on Obama. I just can't say that because I think that they're going to be that way regardless because of what? They're going to be that way regardless because of what? There's jobs out there. I just don't want to hear that there's no jobs out there and that they couldn't get out there. And so find basically, it. so basically, what you're saying is enough jobs to go around for every black person to get one. If you they want, if they wanted a job, the rate of black folk is, if they wanted a job, I'm I trying to ask a question. I'm trying to ask a question. Okay. Do you believe that the unemployment rate of black folks is due to the fact that they're too lazy to go look for a job? Partly, yeah. Yeah, I said it, yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. But well, we definitely going to disagree on that. Yeah. All right, go ahead, uh, Go ahead, Doc. 
No, I'm good. I would just say I'm going to disagree with that. I mean, no, I'll talk about like that you're ignoring the reality oh. of systematic bias, discrimination, and systematic inequity that is at the root and foundation of this country. Uh, black people are systematically kept from accessing opportunity, and we can see the disparities in every major aspect of American life, whether you're looking at criminal justice, whether you're looking at employment, whether you're looking at wealth ownership, whether you're looking at access to opportunity. And, and not only that, most of that information is even being corroborated by the Department of Justice and many research engines that have done research on the great disparities in wealth opportunity and employment, as well as justice in the United States. So for anybody to deny that, which is something that has been going on as long as we've been in this country, I find that quite. Uh, okay. I agree with that, that yes, there's a system. Yeah. I agree with all that, but there's also, we got to take responsibility for ourselves too. There is, there's a lot of people that individual responsibility has nothing to do with systematic discrimination. Individual responsibility has nothing to do with systematic discrimination. Up until 1940, Irish, Italians, and Jews sold drugs, they ran numbers, they ran guns, they operated gangs, they broke the law to feed their families because they did not find jobs. In 1940, the United States government systematically gave the Irish the police departments of America, the Italians, the fire departments of America, and the European Jews, the downtown civil service jobs of America. The government gave them an economic stimulus package in the form of mass employment. All black people did was step into the criminal underworld that was formerly occupied by Southern European Jews. If you give black people the same opportunities that you gave to the Southern European immigrants, we would also do better. There is no and has been no, no one can show me any systematic program that has ever been implemented in this country to improve the condition of black folks. The only thing they do with us is they give us rights, a civil rights bill, a voting rights act. Barack Obama signed the Emmett Till Act that allows the, the Department of Justice to go after civil rights abuses against black people. But the problem with his so-called Emmett Till Act is you can't go after any cases that occurred after 1980. So you can't reopen Trayvon. You can't reopen Freddie Gray. The government keeps on giving us rights. We don't need rights. What we need is resources. Give us the opportunity to build the same type of infrastructure in our community that you give everybody else an opportunity to build, and we will be fine. We don't need any more laws. We need loans. One last question before I pass the mic. You think that our life as black America would be better under Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton? I think your life as black America is going to, has, has progressively our lives as black folks in America, Africans in America, has gotten progressively worse since the assassination of Dr. King. From 1968 to 2018, which will be next year, you're looking at 50 years, the 50-year anniversary of Dr. King's assassination, it has got progressively worse. Systematically and consistently, it has never improved in the past 50 years. Wow. Okay. Uh, whoever got some next. Big dog. Yeah, um, I want to go back on what you, what you, the comment you made earlier, CB, about saying that Democratic voters are emotionally attached and that they're stupid voters. You don't think that the Republican voters kind of fall in that category, also? Based on this election, I got to say that they're smarter voters than than people who typically vote Democrat, in my opinion. Smarter or they just voted based on emotions? I think they're smart. Because it seems like they don't know what they, they didn't get what they bargained for. What, what do you think, Doc? 
I would say that rich people, as a rule, and well-educated people, middle class to upper class and elite families and individuals, they vote on principle as a rule. Poor people vote more on emotion. And the reason poor people tend to vote more on emotion coming from a psychological angle is because poor people tend to have an external locus of control. And what I mean by that is poor people tend to feel that the only way their lives can get better is if something is done outside of them. They need something from the outside. Government input, divine intervention. Poor people tend to think that their fate is ruled by external factors, whereas rich people tend to believe that their fate is determined by internal factors, i.e. what they choose to do. So with Republicans being consistently a richer population of voters than Democrats are across the board, Republicans tend to be those who have inherited in their generational wealth, whereas Democrats tend to be pull yourself up from your bootstraps types of white folk, you're going to get more emotional connection. I do agree with them to an extent on that point. You're going to get more emotional connection from the Democrat than you would for the Republican because the Republican is looking about looking at his dollar. He's looking at his dollar. And the Democrat is looking at someone to care about them. So I do see that at play. Again, it's exceptions to the rule, and I think it gets worse for black people. Whereas you do have some emotionalism amongst white Democrats because you're dealing with working class and poor white folks, and, and, and rich white folks are in the minority when you look at the, the Democratic electorate, but when you look at black folks, because most of us as a population are more impoverished than white folks, that degree of emotional connection becomes even greater because slavery put within us this belief that nothing can change unless someone outside of us does it for us. Dr. Umar, um, I've, I've heard you speak many times and um, one was on an interview about the student loans, the car loans and the mortgage loans, but we can't get business loans. I thought that that was a very, very powerful statement and I, I find myself really, really looking at economics, kind of like Dr. King did right before he was murdered. Because we can't get those resources from, like you just said, outside factors, um, how, how would you go about empowering the community if we can't get those resources? I heard you mention mom and pop shops. Couldn't really tell if you meant that as a negative or a positive, um, me being an entrepreneur myself, um, I find it difficult to extend um, with with other black businesses because we're on such a minor scale. Right. Here's the, the gift and the curse are one and the same when you're dealing with black economic empowerment. We're not going to get wealth acquisition from white America. Wells Fargo, Chase Manhattan, Bank of America, they will never empower black people financially because that will work against population control agendas and other things. It will work against white privilege. It will work against the maintenance of the American social order, which has white at the top and black at the bottom. So the banks, which are critical, the banks are critical to economic racial oppression. They cannot put us in a position where we can empower ourselves. Exactly. So that means that the black community has to be empowered from within. Now, it only takes $250,000 to start a credit union. You can start a bank with as little as $1 million. Now, when you look at the fact that black America spent $600 million on McDonald's last year, 
for $2 billion on Air Jordans in 2016, $9 billion in weed and perm, and $4 billion on alcohol and non-liquor. When you look at the fact we purchased three times as many Mercedes-Benzes as white America, but white America has three times the wealth of black America, we clearly, with our $1 trillion plus dollar spending power, we clearly have the economic ability to be our own economic stimulus package. We can do this with our government intervention. That's the gift. The curse is our psychological conditioning. Black people are not interested in investing in the collective. We're only interested about our individual best interests. What keeps us at the bottom of the totem pole when we look at the cultural racial hierarchy in America is that every other culture in America has a cultural commitment to the collective. A cultural commitment to the collective. The Mexicans have it. I have Mexicans who don't live too far from me. There's like 10 of them in a house. They all live in there. And then slowly I'm seeing them build their own businesses. And nobody leaves the home until everyone has their own business. Black people would never go to those extents to build themselves up economically. We can't stand to be around each other. We can't stand to invest in each other. So the problem with us being our own economic stimulus package is nobody want to subjugate their individual agenda for the best interest of the race. So, so not to cut you off, Roll, I'll get right back to you. So it sounds like me. So it sounds like me and you kind of on the same page that we were kind of saying the same thing in a sense, right, Doc? Because let me tell you where we differ. Here's the thing, and, and or we might not differ, but just to clarify, although illegal immigrants will come to America and operate in that type of milieu where they're able to build economically off of one another. Most other groups in America, especially Europeans, Chinese who have been here, Arabs, they are able to access large amounts of wealth from America's lending institutions. So although they do have that cultural commitment to the collective, they're also able to tap into loans through America's lending institutions from which we have been systematically disenfranchised and denied. So although... Yes, we can do this. At the same time, it's still not fair that we cannot access capital the same way that everyone else does. See, one of the psychological hangups for us is black people still is waiting for America to pay back the debt that is owed to us on behalf of our ancestors. That is a very big psychological hangup for black folks. This thing where we've worked, we've labored, we're owed reparations. I'm a big fan of reparations. I'm a supporter of reparations. I know we will get the reparations, but what we fail to understand is that internal reparations always precedes the external. You have to do for self before anyone else does for you. And because black people feel America owes them something, and we take that mindset into everything that we do, we never work hard enough to pull ourselves out of the situation that we are in because at the back of our mind, we're saying the government owes us. And unfortunately, that goes right back to that external locus of control mindset that we picked up in slavery. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. And can I piggyback off of that? Um, off my original question, and you just alluded to that, then how can we convince the local level, on a local level, the black community to support its own interests. Do you, I know you're doing your part, but do you have any strategies for any local activists to try to kind of get other black peer groups together or even just uh, neighborhoods, you know, regular black folk? I think 
because again we don't have a shared collective consciousness that's another big problem for us every other cultural group has a shared collective consciousness and by shared collective consciousness i'm not trying to insinuate they ate that they are utopic uh, chinese fight amongst each other arabs fight amongst each other east indians fight amongst each other latinos mexicans native americans anglo-saxons european jews they fight amongst each other but they do have a shared collective consciousness so that there's certain core ideas in certain core beliefs that they all practice despite the disagreements that they have, which at the end of the day serves as a platform with which they can work with each other. We do not have a shared set of values. Our religious values, we're all over the place. Culturally, we're all over the place. Politically, we're all over the place. Economically, we're all over the place. So it's hard to organize black folks because you don't have any common denominator. And the one common denominator that you do have, which is the oppression on the negative side and the shared uh, cultural heritage on the other side, that doesn't even serve as a common denominator because you have so many black people who are trying to claim that they are not black. And you have too many black people who are trying to disqualify the impact and role that the legacy of slavery continues to have in the life of black folks. So it is very difficult to bring together people who actually don't want to be together, wish they were never black in the first place, and who definitely are not looking and investing in one another. Here's what we have to do. We have to find those who do care. You have to go on a search mission a reconnaissance mission to find those who have not been destroyed by the psychological holocaust. We are in the middle of a psychological holocaust, right, and right. I believe we're at the beginning of a 21st century holocaust. Kill the thought process that keeps black people together, and then ultimately kill the black people. I know that you've probably seen a lot of stuff that's been going on in Chicago, uh, you know, with all these uh, murderings and things like that. Um, I guess my question is, you know, we got kids out here that's 21, 22 years old as uh, murdering people and in the process, uh, they hitting babies. So Donald Trump's uh, uh, problem solving to this is to bring in the feds and bring in tanks and things like that. And I think that's only gonna make things worse. So I just wanted to hear your views on that. And then I think I was gonna try to take that and go back into the economics about that. Yes, sir. First of all, it's a contradiction for any government to claim that they're bringing in military to protect the lives of some, okay, while they allow their police, which is an extension of the military as a result of the Patriot Act and Homeland Security, to kill other black folks. They're not bringing in the FBI and the National Guard to protect black folks. They're bringing in the FBI and the National Guard to protect white property and to protect white economic interests. That's the only reason why they are in there. It is capitalism times racism. The job of the police and the military in a capitalist society is to protect the economic infrastructure. And the purpose of the police and the military in a racist society is to eliminate the population that is unwanted. So they're coming in to fulfill the, the agenda of capitalism and racism, protect the economics and the infrastructure and the institutions, and at the same time, wipe out black folk. I believe before this is all said and done with, with Chicago, I believe before it's all said and done with, I don't know how many years from now we're going to find this out, but I very much believe that it's going to be revealed at some point in time that there was a mercenary army that was hired and employed 
by either the state government of Illinois or the city government or possibly even the federal government to go in and systematically reduce the population of black folks in Chicago. There's no way you're going to convince me that all of these murders are the result of angry black males. When you have cameras on every major intersection in Chicago, I spend a lot of time in Chicago, there's no way you're going to get away with a murder in that city and it not be recorded. This is being orchestrated by the government. We've seen the purge one. We've seen the purge two. We've seen the purge three. Chicago's purge four. Doctor, and I'll let Joe get right back in. This is where we agree. I want you to think back on something. Now, I'm I'm a huge Obama supporter and everything like that. Well, I mean, there's nothing no one's going to tell me to make me think that Obama wasn't good. Now, but where I do know something went wrong is in right when he got elected. This is a fact. Chicago was trying to get the Olympics in a, on the south side of Chicago. Now, I grew up in Chicago all my life. The south side was one of the most beautiful parts of Chicago for all, all the time I grew up. Now it's a war zone. This happened, the timeline, is right after Chicago didn't get the Olympics. Now let me take you back what happened. Mayor Daley was in charge. Mayor Daley asked Oprah, Barack Obama, and Michael Jordan to go down to Brazil, I believe, to speak to get the Olympics in Chicago. The pre- Barack Obama just made president. This was like February of 2009, maybe. And he had to go. Michael Jordan told Mayor Daley, nah, I'm cool, I can't make it. But the President of the United States had to go. And Oprah went down there. But Michael Jordan said, nah, I can't make it. He couldn't go up there and fight for uh, Chicago to get the Olympics. We all know that Chicago didn't get the Olympics. And from that point on, because they had invested so much money into the South Side of Chicago, they was gonna make it the whole Olympic town and everything. And then from that point on, Mayor Daley resigned, Oprah show left Chicago. Michael Jordan was hardly there anyway. Obama was in Washington, D.C. And we saw from that point on the South Side of Chicago break down. Now, we do conspiracies on this show all the time. I want to know, do you think that has anything to do with that? I do. I believe it was a setback for a setup for a comeback. And what I mean by that, when Chicago lost the Olympic bid, I think what happened was they decided to put out a propaganda campaign to encourage the violence, to basically turn Chicago's image into that of nothing but a war-torn city that's being dominated by a bunch of black animals and savages. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to let them tear the city up so we can ultimately buy it back for pennies on the dime and and, and, and pennies on a dollar and then finally build Chicago into the type of city that we need it to be so we can definitely get the Olympics the next time that we go for it. This is all part of the economic agenda and the ultimate plan for Chicago. There's a new Chicago coming and it doesn't include black folks. Go ahead, Joe. I didn't want to cut you. I agree with that 100% that it don't uh, include black folks and they moving them out already. Uh, I guess the other thing, since we was talking about the uh, economics, and most of the big uh, cities across America where it's dominated by black people, it kind of look like Chicago. So going back to like uh, what Roland was saying and what you were saying, you know, as far as trying to help each other out uh, business-wise, it's kind of hard to do when, you know, you don't really have nothing that you own. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I, I totally agree with that. One thing we know, 
when crime is high, it's because employment is down. When employment is high, crime tends to go down. And see, with America, the only narrative that we're hearing about black-on-black violence is that it's the result of poor character, morals, fatherlessness, unmarried, poor black mothers, and psychological issues. That's not true. Crime is an economic factor. Crime is an economic factor. Everyone knows that. If every black man in America had a livable wage job, through which they were able to take care of their children and take care of their women, the crime rate, we would still have crime, but it would be significantly lower than what it is now. You see, what you're dealing with is pain, you're dealing with dis- disappointment, you're dealing with uh, rage, you're dealing with hurt, and you have so many black folks sitting on top of each other, living on top of each other, and when you have a situation like that, crime occurs. And guess what? Not just with black folks. You see the same thing in the Middle East. You, see, you saw the same thing in the 20s and in the 30s with white folks. Whenever poor men are surrounded around each other with nothing else to do, crime is the result. But they try to make it a uniquely black issue, but it's actually a human situation. But they try to paint that narrative because the government wants to do absolutely nothing to change this reality because in order to reduce crime, you're going to have to employ black males. And that's not something Trump is going to do. Obama did nothing about the employment of black men. Bill Clinton, George Bush, and no one else. Again, the policy for all the presidents, all the parties, when it comes to black folks to simply suffocate our issues until they hold us down long enough to die. You know, on, on one hand, you were saying about the resources not being available, but then on the on the other hand, you were saying that government can't provide the type of help that we need in our communities. No, the government could provide the type of help that we need in our communities. The government is not going to provide the type of help that we need in America for black folks to improve the situations. We gotta realize something. Our presence in this country was never supposed to occur. The only reason why we're still here is because of an accident in history known as the Civil War, where black men were called upon to save the Union because they were about 10 seconds from losing the entire country to the Confederacy. And after we won that war for the country because we liberated Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln didn't liberate us. The Union knew that they could not tell black men to put their rifles down and go back to slavery because there would have been a second world war. And all of us might possibly be living in the United States of black America had that continued. So we, everything must be done to keep black folks off the radar. We are the invisible people. James Baldwin wrote a book talking about the invisible man, how black people exist, but we really don't count. Well, that's exactly what we're in right now. And one of the reasons that it's going to be worse for black people in the Trump administration is the reason Donald Trump really doesn't have to speak to black issues the way any other president previously had to speak to black issues is because we let Barack Obama take the black agenda off the table. He's the first president out of 44 who did not have to deal with issues affecting black folk. And because he was black, we turned a blind eye to it. We let him ignore us while he took everything our ancestors fought for, gave it to gays, Mexicans, white women, long enough for everybody to forget black folks even existed. And so now, with Donald Trump being the first president after Barack Obama, he doesn't have to address black folks at all because we've already created a precedent where it's okay to ignore black folk because because we let Obama do it. And so a lot of this now is just going to be a blackout. One of the reasons they had that woman's march right after Donald Trump got elected was to make sure that the primary civil rights issue in America remains something other than black folks. Going to Barack Obama administration, Obama focused on homosexuality as a means of avoiding and ignoring black folks. Donald Trump is going to focus on female issues as a means of avoiding and ignoring black folks. And the next president is going to choose another issue and another issue until there's so few black people 
people around, you're not even worth being mentioned anymore. Well, okay, I'm gonna let Roland get in. I gotta ask this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta get this in. As a president of the United States, I, I hear this a lot from a lot of people, and me and a guy got into it before. How Obama put in black attorney generals, these cases that happened in um, in St. Louis, Freddie Gray's, the Trayvon Martins, and stuff like that, I don't even think it would have been even magnified to the extent where we all could came together for these issues if Obama wasn't the president, like I hear that he hasn't, I just can't, he can't, I don't, I don't think that he, as a president, he can just go out there and say, this is for black people. I I just think that's, that's like an alternative world. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, George Bush didn't have to say this is for white people, but he went out of his way to look out for rich white folks and middle-class folks. Uh, You don't have to say that this is for a particular race. You just go ahead and do it. Obama didn't even do that. He gave homosexuals three laws, three federal laws. The last time black people got three federal laws was the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. He gave white women the Equal Pay Act. He gave the immigrants four federal laws, including two executive orders. You didn't get a law. You didn't get a bill. You didn't get an executive order. The only thing you got was ignored. And no black person who cares about the condition of us as a group, not individual privileged black folks, but us as a group can look at the Obama administration and say that he did anything for black folks. And if someone wants to argue that, they're going to have to tell me what it was. Please name the law. Please name the program that was for black folks. What about, what about, what about getting all the black people out of prison? What about when, when he, he's the first president that I've seen in recent history that didn't, um, pardon rich, successful people that's a- amongst him, like lawyers and politicians and stuff like that. He went straight into the jails and gave people seconds. Some people had life sentences. And then one guy, as soon as he got out of prison on a life sentence, he went right back in the next week. Like, at as, as some point, we got to hold our... And why did he go right back in the next... First of all, I looked at a lot of those because they I'm were sorry, published bro. online. The people that Barack Obama exonerated. And he exonerated as many white folks as black folks. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he exonerated more white folks than black folks. That wasn't for black people. That was for criminals. And then when you look at many of those cases, and you did leave out some people, you may have let some people out of that life sentences, but a lot of those cases were for very petty offenses. I saw people who were exonerated for one month probation, two months probation. A lot of those exonerations wasn't even people in jail. A lot of them was for people who was on, uh, on, on probation or parole. So it wasn't like he just went in and took the black folks who had some of the worst sentences and let them out. But here's the biggest issue with that. And this is where black folks, we, we have a, ba- a very bad habit of looking at tokenism as some sort of systematic change. We suffer systematic oppression. So if you want to do anything that's going to benefit black people, it must be done systematically. Letting a few folks out of jail while the rest are there and then doing nothing to change the law to prevent black folks from being locked up in the first place and then creating no meaningful programs for those that you let out only dictates that they will go back. I 85% of all black offenders will return to jail within two years because there are no opportunities. All Obama did was give us cosmetic surgery. We don't need cosmetic surgery. We need internal political economic change. No, I agree. I agree. Go ahead, Roe. 
I agree with that. I'm sorry. Dr. Umar, we can go on like this forever. I'm totally agreeing with everything you're saying, but I want to switch gears and I want to give you an opportunity, um, at least for the last few minutes of the show. Um, I want you to talk about where you're at right now in your plight to get your school or our school started for young boys. And if that's still so far away, what can parents do on a local level? Um, what books can they read? What, what, um, what type of things can they uh, obtain to help them ra help raise their black boys? Um, and do you agree with homeschooling? Okay, great question. Number one, um, I've already set the start date for the first day of school at the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Leadership Academy to be the anniversary of the Nat Turner War and Haitian Revolution in 2018, and that would be August the 21st, which also happens to be my Earth Day. So that is the day that has been awesome. set to open up the academy. It is my goal to have purchased an academy or acquired in case we decide to lease by this August the 21st. That's the goal. In fact, one of the reasons why I'm actually going to be coming to Chicago on Thursday is because I'm scheduled to look at several school buildings for sale in Chicago on Friday. Now, Chicago was one of my early choices for the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy, but you haven't heard me mention Chicago for the past year or so because it was very difficult to get access to the schools that were available in Chicago because the government is blocking I was in Detroit uh, a couple weeks ago, and the government there, the city government, is blocking my access to view the schools that are still in very good condition. And the reason they're blocking my access to certain schools in Chicago and Detroit and Philadelphia and other major cities is because the purpose for shutting down those schools in the first place was to get black people out of the inner city and prepare for the white return. So the last thing you need is Umar Johnson opening up a school for black people in the middle of the city because that's going to work against our agenda to get rid of them. Be that as it may, we did find some in Chicago, and I'll be looking at some of them on Friday. What parents can do, three quick things. Number one, they need to read my book, Psychoacademic Holocaust. They have to read it because it's the only book that teaches black parents how to protect their children legally in the miseducation machine. Okay. If they come out to Saturday's lecture at the Greater New Mount Moriah Church, they can do that. Second thing, we need Chicago's parents and Indianapolis's parents and Detroit parents and Milwaukee's parents and all the black parents of the Midwest to join the National Independent Black Parent Association, which is an organization we started last year to organize black parents to fight against racism in the seven key areas of special education, school discipline, school policy, school finance, homeschooling, parent advocacy, and social support. So if anyone's interested in joining, they can reach me through the website, drumarjohnson.com. And to answer your question about homeschool, I'm a big supporter of homeschool, but I want to be clear about something. Homeschooling for me is a band-aid. It is not a solution. And the okay. reason it is not a solution is because every parent can afford to do it. A solution is something that when it's implemented, it benefits all black children, not just some. We got parents working two and three jobs. 75% of black mothers are single black mothers, barely above the poverty line. They can't afford to homeschool our children. And to be honest with you, if we can spend $9 billion on weed and $600 million on McDonald's, it makes no sense for our parents to have to shoulder the burden of educating their children on their own when we have a community that can clearly build brick-and-mortar institutions for their children to learn it. Every time I hear you say that, Doc, I, I just feel like me and you really agree with each other that, you know, some of this stuff is uh, is on us, that, 
I know our time is running down with you, so I want to give everybody a chance to ask rapid fire questions real quick to you, and you give us, you know, your answer as much as you, as fast as you can. Or I don't want to, you know, I know you got sure. other things to do. Here's my first one: um, Would you? How do you feel about so-called celebrities meeting with Donald Trump? And would you meet with Donald Trump? Yes, if Donald Trump would have called me up and say, "Hey." I want to sit down with you. I understand that you're a psychologist and an educator and an organizer in your community. I'd like to hear what you have to say on education and mental health and economic revitalization and systematic racism. I would sit down with him. Why? Because since the beginning of time, people who are in a hunt to acquire power and improve their condition have always met with the representatives of the system that denies them that power. It would be insane for us not to meet with Donald Trump because you need to be able to say we made it very clear what we needed to do and you did not do it. Does it mean he's going to do it? Absolutely not. But you need to be able to tell the world that we made it clear in no uncertain terms what we needed to be done for us. So that way it can never be said, I wanted to help black folks, but none of them would meet with us. So I didn't have a problem with any of them meeting with Donald Trump. My issue was who he chose to meet with. Only in the black community are celebrities our spokespersons. In no other community do they go to celebrities to find out what's going on with members of that community. You don't go to Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is a multi-millionaire. He don't live in the ghetto. Ray Lewis is a multi-millionaire. He don't live in the ghetto. They use Ray Lewis to be an apologist for the murder of Freddie Gray in Baltimore. What would you meet with him for? Wow. Jim Brown, I had no problem with Jim Brown meeting with Donald Trump because at this late age of his life, he has always been a stand-up black man who has always been unapologetic. So I, I'm very confident that Jim Brown could not be used by Donald Trump or anyone else to be an apologist for racism. But with meeting with people like Steve Harvey and Ray Lewis, that just tells me that was more about theater than it was about doing anything significant for black folks. Wow. Big dog. Yeah, um, if you were president, what policies would you put in place or I guess in any, um, what policies would you put in place to try to help empower black people? And also what do you think it's gonna take to change the mindset of our own people so we can take that next step forward? Second question first, I don't have a lot of faith in the current population of black folk in America. I think the 21st century American African is the worst one we've produced on this soil. When you look at the 17th century black man and woman during slavery, you look at the 18th century black man and woman, you look at the 19th century black man and woman, and by the way, the 19th century black man and woman was the most progressive black man and woman we've had on earth since the fall of the great dynasties in Nile Valley, Africa. That 1801 to 1899, that Frederick Douglass, that Harriet Tubman, that Shaka Zulu, that Marcus Garvey, that generation right there, that 100-year period, that century was the greatest we had. And I think we need to study that century because that's when we got so many of our great minds. But I think we have to focus on the children. I think one of the dysfunctional adaptations that we have created for ourselves is we spend too much time trying to change the thinking of adults. People do not change. The human personality is largely wired by the age of five, relatively permanent by the age of 12, and ain't likely to change after the age of 25. 
So why don't we focus on the children and make them what they need to be as opposed to trying to change these adults? Frederick Douglass said it's better to raise strong boys than to repair broken men. It's better to raise strong boys than to repair broken men. The three things I would do if I was president, number one, black people would have community control of their schools. If they're not approving of the principals or the teachers, they can fire them and replace them. Number two, all of the taxes that black people make, at least 25% of the black tax tax base in this country would be used to build credit unions and banks in every black community. Also, there would be a black bank staffed by black doctors that is overseen by a black medical supervisor in every major city because hospitals are becoming a dying breed in the black community in many cities. And you guys are in Chicago, you know that you sometimes have to drive 10, 20 minutes to get to the hospital. So they are taking the hospitals out of the black community to facilitate population control. And then I would also see to it that every white Jesus in America is burned. And the last thing that I would do, any black man who is not married to a black woman would have to pay a tax for marrying outside of his race or for not being married to a black woman at all. Oh my gosh. What, what, what? <laughs> well, look, I want to I, I say this though. I think this generation has learned how to get money, but what they do with the money after they get it is the problem. Oh, Doc, we need you back on, man. I know you're busy, but you gotta. we need another show with you, brother. We, oh, Joe Dirt, go ahead, man. No, go ahead, Rose. Uh, Dr. Umar, I would be remiss if I didn't say that um, your popularity precedes you. And although you may have sidestepped a couple landmines, this social media monster has been um, um, very attacking. How would you say that you uh, deal with the popularity and the weight of being the figure that you have been? Um, being a psychologist, being trained, and also being a black man standing up for your race, um, although you're you're not perfect. I'm sorry. I would say that the people have been my sustaining secret source of energy. Whenever I get down, and it is hard out here dealing with black folks trying to destroy you every corner you turn white folks trying to manipulate your failure but when you get texts and you get emails and you have elders come up to you at your lectures i was in newark yesterday in atlantic city friday and just give you a big hug and encourage you to just keep on going we're behind you when you get emails saying you changed my life you saved my life you helped me save my child you got to keep going because if you inspired me i know you inspired many more that's the type of stuff that keeps me going man because if there was another umar johnson if there was someone else who had that expertise and that commitment when it comes to the miseducation machine, I would have probably bowed out because, you know, I could use a break from it all. You know, I'm not really one for the camera and the lights and the action. I didn't know that my opinions were considered to be so revolutionary left or right of center, you know, that it required all of that additional attention, man. But I could give it up. And to be honest, that's probably the one thing people don't know about me the most, that I could walk away from it today or tomorrow. But my obligation and my love for my people commands that I stay there. That was Dr. Umar Johnson once again going coming on Inside the Cave. Doctor, I really appreciate it. One more time, tell everybody where you're going to be at in Chicago and in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis on the, this, this coming weekend. Definitely. Uh, Dr. Umar Johnson will be in Chicago this Saturday, February the 25th at the Greater New Mount Moriah Baptist Church at 3101 East Warren. That's 3101 East Warren in the East Garfield section of Chicago. 
doors open up at 2. Program will be from 4 until 7. And I will sign books and take pictures from 7 until 9. And then 48 hours later, we will be in Indianapolis, Indiana, for the first time in two years at the Jewel Event Center, J-E-W-E-L, the Black-Owned Jewel Event Center in Indianapolis, Indiana, on Monday, February the 27th. Doors open up at 4 program will be from 6 until 9 and I'll sign books from 9 until 11 and we still have a couple of vendor spots and opening hot spots so if anyone has a talent and would like to showcase it to the community or if you have some products you would like to sell you can reach me at drumarjohnson.com drumarjohnson at yahoo.com or you can text me at 215-989-9858 looking forward to coming back to the Midwest and wrapping up 2017 Black History Month tour and one more time, you said if any black man is with a white woman, what's going to happen? He's going to have to pay a tax for marrying outside of his race. <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? You know, Dr. Doctor, before I let you go, that started out as a joke on this show that I, we got a guy that we got a talented guy that knows how to make fake Donald Trump tweets. And that was a, 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 a tweet that we put out as a, as a spoof from Donald Trump. <laughs> who would who would have thought that you that you kind of agree with agree, agree with our thinking over here? <laughs> uh, wow! I mean, we got to remember something, fellas. All behavior is a consequence of context and consequences. And one of the biggest reasons why we can't get black folks on the same page because you can't give out no consequences. Mm. Who listens to people who cannot give out consequences if they fail to do what they need them to do? Until the black community is able to give out consequences and rewards. It worked both ways. Consequences for doing what you're not supposed to do, and then we have to honor and reward those who do what we need them to do. Until we come up with a contingency system on both sides of the scale, it's going to be difficult to get black folks to stand in line. Appreciate you always coming on. And I got to tell you, man, <laughs> I'm already thinking about part three. <laughs> so, <laughs> no doubt. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. Anytime. That, that's no problem. Anytime. Big Dogs Country Raptor of the Week. Big Dogs Country Raptor of the Week. It's your boy Big Dog, and I'm going inside the cave on the Cave Podcast with Big Dog's country rap tune of the week. Inside the cave. Fuck school, nigga. I'ma be a dope dealer. I'ma be a killer. Yep, a urban gorilla. I'ma stack Skrilla. Yeah, buy me a villa. Sell a 5-0 to my auntie Priscilla. I don't give a fuck that she look like Brilla. Hit that shit one more time and fuck around and kill her. Cause I got the heart of a Pittsburgh stiller. Black nigga draped in gold with a nine miller. Love money, love jail, love that penitentiary mail. Love the way this nigga smell, keep coming back, can't you tell? Love to see my mama cry, love to see my baby struggle. Love to see my woman juggle nuts cause she got the hustle. I don't Inside give a fuck how my life go. Now I'm a slave man to this caveman without Geico. Everybody wanna call Mike a psycho, but he ain't never came through the hood with a rifle. Gunning niggas down cause they don't got the right clothes. Hit the wrong person cause we shoot just like hoes. First I was bloodthirsty, Mr. Mr. Controversy. Now I wanna beg for mercy, shoulda took my ass to birth. If you don't wanna shake that hood mentality, how the fuck we supposed to change our reality? If you don't wanna shake that hood mentality, how the fuck we supposed to change our reality? If you don't wanna shake that hood mentality, how the fuck we supposed to change our reality? If you don't wanna shake that hood mentality, how the fuck we supposed to change our reality? Inside the cage.
with a flyer fan app at the App Store on iPhone devices and at the Google Play Store for Android devices. And use the code KCAVE to ignite your passion for sports. All right, that was Big Dog's country rap tune of the week. Once again, shout out to Dr. Umar Johnson coming back on Inside the Cave. Make sure you go check out those dates if you. We got a lot of listeners in Indiana, Indianapolis, of course Chicago. Go check out those dates and go to the website. And if you're in Detroit, Indianapolis, and Chicago, wherever he's going to be in the Midwest, go check him out and make sure you say you listen to this episode on from Inside the Cave. Uh, let's recap a little bit what he talked about. Sounds to me, whether he wanted to admit it or not, he agreed with CB, which is not a bad thing because you're going to go very far in life agreeing with me because CB's mostly right. But uh, I don't know that you all peep that, but he kind of sounded like he kind of agreed with me uh, a little bit. He just didn't want to uh, give Obama no credit. What you think? I don't know, man. I'm just I think it was bits and pieces from some of the arguments that we've all made, you know, to a point anyway. You, you, you know what I find interesting is that <laughs> you to, for you to say that Democratic voters vote their emotions, yeah. then you turn right around and say that no matter what you say negative about Obama, I'm not buying it. <laughs> that shit that sounds that that sounds more emotional than going into the voting booth and vote for somebody but, but hey, also, hey hey Roland I gave him kill yourself and start over for that so many times <laughs> but, 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 but Roland I also said that my life did benefit better I can tell you I know how my life was in 2008 I can I, tell you let me tell you hold on hold on let me say something let me say something real quick and this is just from personal experience. I, I hate the fact that Trump is able to make it seem like all black people are living in hell. All black people are just, just you know, in, in the down and out. That's maybe well, see, a you're small... still contradicting yourself. Hold on, let me, let, me, let, me, let, 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 let me finish. And the reason why I can say that I know what my life was pre-Bush, which is a Republican president. And I know what my life was after Bush. My life after Bush almost was getting sort of like what it was pre-Bush. What's but that's the, not what we debate. What we debate? We debating your comments. I it's still that, on. It's still based on emotions. No, my emotions are based on facts. No, it's no, still emotions. Democrat. No, no, they're not. Because this is what you said. Republicans vote on policy. You have zero proof for any policy that benefited black people in the Obama administration, your personal rising to where you're at possibly could have had little to do with Obama and could have just been circumstances of the way the, um, the way the economy went. No. Like for instance, most, most people who bought homes in the early two thousands benefited from actually the Clinton plan, which gave that was um, the subprime mortgage um, lending and and the ability to get um, HUD homes and um, and uh, and low low interest rates. Now all the people. Now what happened was is you coupled that with a good job because a lot of those people who bought them homes were were vote got vultured because they bought homes that they couldn't afford. So the bank said, "Oh yeah, we'll give you a home where eight hundred dollars a month and." 
uh, 1.9 interest rate, and then they had that balloon payment, and then they lost their homes. So you just survived exactly what Umar, Dr. Umar was talking about, where the, the, the black folks as a whole were taken advantage of, and they had the rug pulled out from under them. You can't use your personal situation to paint a broad brush for the whole community. It doesn't work that way. You can't mention one policy Obama had ever written in his eight years that helped black people. You can't do it because it doesn't exist. Not just. He's totally right. He's not just, 100% right. If you want to say directly black people only, that's, that's a whole nother debate. Let me ask you this. The, uh, the first time home buyers. Yes. That, that fell up under who president? That was under Clinton. It's my memory. I, yeah, my, I own my house 14 years because I benefited from it. Yeah. I remember I thought when I bought my house, it was, uh, I think they stopped doing it. I know when I bought mine, I, I, bought I, mine, I benefited I know, from it. Is there something else, big dog? My bad. I ain't mean to cut you up. Fine. No, nah, I was just trying to, you know, get clarification on that. Yeah, we benefited, but what I'm saying is, is black people over a whole, because they actually, in in Obama's first term, they were actually going after the banks because remember, he's the one who's responsible for bailing the banks out. Because what they were doing was, and, and listen, I have to study it out and get the correct language or whatever, but what they were doing was, is they were selling these mortgage loans to people who really couldn't afford them, and then they were reselling the loans to other banks. Yeah. And then people were losing their homes, and it was called, um, what the heck was it called? Not subprime mortgage, but it was um, a predatory lending. They were, yeah. doing the, they were doing the predatory lending, and they were lending to people who really couldn't afford to buy a home. And you know, uh, you know, also people were buying homes uh, and plans of flipping them. And then once they couldn't flip them, that caused some issue also. That that's true too. But the point is, is that what, what Dr. Umar is saying is, is that m- more than likely, when you walk into a bank, you're they're looking at one your black skin, and then your economic situation, right? So what happens is a lot of times we can't get, I had to, I had to take money out of my 401k to open my wife's salon. Okay. She took money out of hers. I took money out of mine and we put it together and we opened our own salon. We didn't go to a bank because we knew we couldn't walk in a bank with no collateral and say, give us $20,000 to open up a salon. They'd have laughed at us. You see what I'm saying? But the white man can do that. He can walk in a bank and say, okay, here's my business plan. Here's my family structure. Uh, I want to open up a hot dog joint. Bet, 20 grand. Got it. We can't do that. That's where the systematic racism is at. Is there a pre- That's not a conspiracy. That's 100% fact. And I mean, we, we, we know that's a fact, but I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm from the mindset of I don't see how – any president is going to be able to change the mindset of that small percentage of white America that owns all the wealth. And just to add to that, mm-hmm. I know everybody's on this, you know, because certain laws or bills or whatever were passed, you know, for the gay and lesbian community, it was specifically for them. Exactly. So, 
I don't really know exactly what laws do we think as a race of people that Obama can just actually exactly. put into place just for black people. Big dog, exactly. But he that's, did it just for gay people. So that's a whole other subject, though. Yeah. It's the same. It's the yeah, same. It's thing. the same thing. If he it's, can do it, it's kind of the same, but but it's not. But if he can do it for gays, why couldn't he do it for blacks? Can I can I say that something? makes that makes no sense? He had I I know I know which ones they was. It was don't ask, don't tell, repeal, right? Mm-hmm. It was the military. Yeah, gate. Yup, military. Don't ask, don't tell, and um, uh, tra- tra- what they call it, transgenders in the military. You guys are missing the point, though. No, this is what I was I trying, this go ahead. Is what, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was trying to tell Dr. Umar Johnson, and and what I what I when I say that Democratic voters are stupid, it's the fact that at the end of the day, Obama is basically Kobe playing for the Lakers. You can like Kobe or hate Kobe, but if he wins, that means the Lakers win. It's not about him personally winning. That's what I'm trying to make people understand. People get so vested into this person. You got to understand he's running for that party. And you can say whatever you want to say. Dr. Umar Johnson said it best. The Republican Party has never, never thought about minorities. It's about the rich rich, rich and the religious. (laughs) Now, the Democratic Party hadn't either. The Democratic Party has put something in place for minorities. Now, has it has it been specifically for what black people? No. Then what but, is it? But you know, you, you you know what the major problem is right now? What is it? We have some of we have some of our black leaders now that kind of uh, I guess they I would say that they're more opportunists. Exactly. Yeah. Every time something that. bad happens. You know, it's never the matter of being proactive. You know, if, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it does. That's, that's why I don't nobody like to see Jesse uh, Jackson or Al Sharpton coming because it's all like you just said. And if, and if and honestly, if you're going into these um, urban communities or you know black communities and you're trying to educate our people or to try to change their mindset, um, a lot of times. The poor people can't afford to pay That's true. to hear some of these lectures. That's true. So it's no way that you're actually going to reach them. I feel like this. Uh, I just want to say this. From the beginning of slavery, when they broke black people down and broke the mindset, and then you had the select few that was able to get through that, man, I don't think black people will ever get out of that. I don't care what's... Uh, law they put in place i don't care what system they put in place you're always going to have what we have in uh the black ghetto the big major cities where a bunch of black people are and uh they so torn down until white people take them back and push black people out to some other uh, suburb and it's going to be the same because of the mindset black people mindset never going to change that's that's and, and that's true to it that's true to a certain extent but but I think what you guys are doing is you're changing the narrative. Okay, let's let's just talk about. Um, I don't I don't know how many Bible believers we have in on the show, but I'll say this: the Bible says that the the poor you will have what you always. 
So there's going to be, a, this has nothing to do with color. It's just, you're always going to have poor people, right? Okay. So you have three rings of people. You have the, the rich elite, you have the, the conscious middle class, and then you have the poor. All I believe is what we're saying is, is that if you have the select people that don't have that mindset, how can you empower them to be able to help the poor? So here's a for instance. I know Big Dog got me good last week with the whole that's begging. That was a good comeback, and I deserved it. But let's, let's, let me step away from my original statement with the celebrities, and let's just look at us, okay? Here's the big things that I would like to do if I had the ability, okay? Number one is, is that in every single city you have – abandoned homes right just like just like dog just said people were buying homes trying to flip them right but what if we switch it what if we invest in a community and buy these homes and refurbish them and make it low-income housing for the community here's the thing you have homeless people who one either have mental health issues or you, they're in a condition where it's almost like they want to stay homeless, right? But we're not talking about them. We're talking about the people who will go into that home. With that home, you have an address. You can get a job. And what happens is, is if you invest in that person and you give them a hand up, you put them in a home, they get a good, a, a decent wage job that now they can be a, a, um, uh, a giver back to the community paying the mortgage or paying the rent, um, paying uh, city taxes, and you can extend that to uh, shopping centers, strip malls. We're talking about putting in grocery stores and talking about putting in, uh, buying um, uh, family dollars and things like that, and then you employ people. And what happens is, is that the community starts to feel like they're invested in what they, they're a part of that. They're a part of the building. I, I agree. I agree with that, Roland. But. Yeah, but the only, I mean, before you say that, CB, the only thing with that, Roland, how are you going to get black people to invest in these rundown neighborhoods where they already crime well, infested or supported? You seen people? I have no. People? I have no goddamn idea. That's why I was asking Dr. Umar Johnson because that's my problem. How <laughs> in the hell do you reach these people to say, "Hey"? Stop going against your own interests and invest in yourself. Us, I'm, I'm broke right now because I took all my money and I bet on myself, or not just myself, me and my wife. I said, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to work for 30 years for somebody else and die on a job. And you know what I mean? My money, my money sitting in a bank somewhere. So I took my money out and I said, you know what? We're building to our future for our kids. We're trying to build a legacy to leave behind. I'm not, I'm not trying to just, now don't get me wrong, that's what sustains me right now, but I'm trying to, what they, the people on my job think I'm crazy. People retire from my job. And I'm saying, I don't want to work till retirement. I'm trying to leave here. I'm yeah. trying to leave this city. You yeah. get what I'm saying? And yeah, I'm the same you, you get, you, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like this. I understand exactly what you're saying, but when you go into a community, say we're going on the west side of Chicago, mm -hmm. trying to talk to a bunch of people to invest in their neighborhood. So we're going to go talk to a bunch of single black women. We're going to go talk to a bunch of uh, young kids who uh, probably just run the streets. 
You know what I'm saying? That, who do you go and talk to? Because that's the mentality of those neighborhoods. There's no family mentality. There's not, you're not going to get a, a husband and a wife to sit down in there and think about, okay, this is what we're going to do to uh, better our community. Because in our community, all we got is single parents. We got hey, a lot Joe, of single but, parents. But just, it's a lot of tore down uh, buildings. It, I'm not, not saying that it can't be done, but it, it, it's going to be damn hard to get it done. Even if you get the people to listen to you, you're not going to be able they can't invest what they don't have. Mm-hmm. True that. So that's, that's when you got to resort to a little begging <laughs> from your celebrities <laughs> to invest in some of these communities. Would you yeah. agree, Roland? That, that's where I was going last week. But like I said, I, I, I kind of agree with you. But believe it or not, we have more money than we think. Just like Dr. And listen, I'm not trying to be a, a, a what, what, what do you call it, a mark? I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to be a mark for Dr. Umar, man. I, I I listen to the dude. There's a lot of stuff I disagree with, but man, that's not the. T- we don't have an ambush show. I agree with that. You know what I mean? Listen, we interviewed the guy. He answered the questions. He did great. My thing is this: the dude is so on point with this, man. We are so wasteful as a culture. We are. I'm. I'm not even talking about you're not allowed to have nice things. What I'm saying is, is that it. It makes no sense. I I talked to a young man online one time, and I said this. I said, see, and that's the problem. We always come in with that old man mentality, stop buying Jordans. This is what I told him. I said, bruh, for every third pair of Jordans you get, take that money and buy uh, some stock. Buy a bond. So 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 instead of getting the nines, the tens, and then you about to get the 11s, hold off on the 11s, and buy some stock. That way you get them because you're not trying to come with a don't do this defeatist attitude. You're saying, listen, I respect your gangster, bro. Everybody want to look good. Listen, I said this. I ain't delivered from rims. I like rims. But guess what? I know that it makes no sense to put $2,500 rims on a car when I could put $2,500 into my business and flip that. So sure. then when I am getting Jay-Z and Beyonce money, then I can get some. But see, that goes back to what I said at the beginning when he asked me. He said, so you're trying to say that black people are too lazy to go out and, 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 and get a job. And I know it sounded cruel when I said yes, but I had to be definitive on that because you guys and Dr. Umar Johnson just broke down so many examples. We got guys that can flip shoes, go out there and get rims or all this other stuff. But do you tell me you can't get a job? Come on, man. Normal, man. You can get a we're job. Wasteful. We're wasteful, period. Yeah. That's part of the reason we have so many people that are overweight in our community. Yep. Right. Yep. I mean, I it's, it's so many levels of talking about being wasteful. But when yeah, you attack the youth, when you attack the youth talking about their joints and this and that, they're not going to hear you because you've already put that wasteful mindset in them. And you know something else, you know, this country was founded on lies. Yeah. Right. You see. Oh, yeah. And it's right. still going on. You're right. And they even use religion yeah. to enslave the mind. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's we've true. adopted a lot of that. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So... When you're talking about getting people out of that mindset, I mean, that's going it's, it's a process. That's what I was saying, man. It ain't happened yet. It's, to me, 
for the most part of uh, black people in our community is not going to happen because them chains are so tight on their minds. Yeah. You know, you you got the single mom who had the baby who, uh, not, not, this is not all single women, but from well, like where I grew up at, I seen a single mom trying to raise the kid who had other agendas. So that child goes out, look for other role models. Yeah. That child goes out, has a baby. And then the same process is that vicious cycle. It yeah, keeps going through and through and through. And things don't ever change. But see, the men are not stepping up. Because see, if, if we stepped up old. as men, you wouldn't have the, the mothers trying to raise the kids by themselves. Yeah, okay. Right, so that's true. That's true. But okay. here's the thing. What, what Joe said is, he said, well, when you go into the neighborhoods and talk, you're talking to mostly single parents. And we paint with that broad brush, right? I, I think that, and I'm not saying you're wrong, Joe, because I'm agreeing with you. But what I'm saying is, is that when we say that, we're ignoring the four of us right now on this show. Yeah, that's true. So, so, so how, did how did we break? Right. How did we break it? Right. And and let, and let me say this too, Joe. Let me say this too, Joe. We, from the beginning of the show, I said we got to hold ourselves responsible. You said the sing. You said the single mother. Let's not. How did some of these women become single mothers? Exactly. Did, did you exactly. did you choose to kick that man out the house because you thought you could do better? Not to get personal, but you thought that you could do better on your own and stuff like that. You don't need no man. And Beyonce says single ladies and all this, so I could do it on my own. Did you make that choice? Let's start holding ourselves accountable. Everybody wants to feel bad for this. Not, not to sound like Minister Jepsen, hey, but don't don't leave out the part, but. Or did the man just decide? Yeah, because that's not a lot to do his part. Make sure you well, add that onto that to that. It comment. could be. It could well, be both. Well, there's but, levels. There's but, levels to this thing, though, bro. We we know. Listen, we we know that there's a multitude of reasons and a multitude of problems in the black community. We can we can go back and forth and we can list them all and say it's this and say it's that. But here's the hit, though. Yeah. At the at the end of the day on both sides of the coin, no matter if the man left, he got put out, she was on assistant or whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, the four guys on this show is handling business, whether we're single or whether we're married, right? We know that between us four, we are stand up guys, right? So right. what are we doing to connect to other men to make sure that we, and listen, you can't tell nobody what to do. But at the same time, is you yourself, everybody that's connected to you, or you hold them accountable. I give an example. I'm gonna keep it hunted. My oldest son, 24 years old, he going back and forth with his baby mom. Um, they was together, they broke up. They he talking about he don't want to be with her. He trying to get custody. He's going through all this nonsense, right? But guess what? I kept coming at him with. Every time he tried to talk bad about her, every time he told me, well, this girl I'm talking to was talking bad about her and this, that, and other. Know what I said? I said, listen, don't never let nobody talk bad about your, your kid's mother. That's number one. Number two is, is you chose her and you chose to have a baby with her. So that's on you, bruh. And then number three is, is what are you doing to help the situation? Instead of always telling me what her problem is, what's your problem, cat daddy? Yeah, I know me and your mom got divorced, but at the end of the day, bruh, you getting too old to keep blaming what happened in your past. You got a kid, you loved her at the time you had the kid, so either be with her 
and raise your kid or don't be with her, but still raise your kid. But I'm not going to allow you to assassinate her character of what she was and what she wasn't when you chose to be with her. And that's me holding my son accountable. And guess what he just told me three days ago? We're going to work it out. And they back together. <laughs> hey, hey hold, on. hold on. Hold on. Before you move on, B Big Dog, was I, was I okay? Did, uh, was I good? You you was okay until he agreed with the point that I said that it was okay for our black leaders or whoever they chose I as know, our I black heard. leaders to go there and speak. I the, know. the look you had on your face was priceless. All right, so look, hey, once again, I want to say thank you for uh, to, to Dr. Umar Johnson uh, coming on Inside the Cave this week, part two. We're going to have to get another part three uh, pretty soon with the Dr. Umar Johnson. Please send us your feedback. Email us, Inside the Cave Podcast at gmail.com. Send us comments on iTunes. Uh, I might put this one back on SoundCloud as well, so you can send, a, send us comments on there. But just feel free to email us, inside the K podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what do you think about our interview with Dr. Umar Johnson, just the whole show in general. Also, uh, next episode, we got a lot coming up. I'm telling you, Inside the Cave is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. A lot of independent artists we got coming on uh, as well. Please, if you want your song played on Inside the Cave, want people to hear your music, email us inside the cave podcast at gmail.com. Attention it to Big Dog's Cave Spotlight. We're going to start playing music. I can do that. We can do that on this show. We can play independent music all the way through. If you want your song heard, send it in inside the cave podcast at gmail.com. Producers, all you guys want your beats heard, whatever like that. Send it to us. Big Dog will play it. Attention to Big Dog. He'll sort through it and he will get it on the show. Uh, also, we got the future heavyweight champion of the world, boxing champ, Fast Fresno Quinto, coming on next episode inside the cave. Our next full episode will be with him. It was a live interview from his restaurant. So uh, be sure to check that out. Other than that, Big Dog, get us on out of here, brother. On behalf of the guys at Inside the Cave, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. We'll catch y'all last week. Thank you for listening to Inside the Cave. Download the FireFan app at the App Store on iPhone devices and at the Google Play Store for Android devices. And use the code CAVE, C-A-V-E, to ignite your passion for sports. Inside the Cave. 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 You're on the number one show, Inside the Cave. Three Lee Films.